Turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 8. We continue our study through Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. After this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Metheg Amma out of the hand of the Philistines. And he defeated Moab. And he measured them with a line, making them lie down on the ground. Two lines he measured to be put to death, and one full line to be spared. And the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to restore his power at the river Euphrates. And David took from him 1,700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. And David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for 100 chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David struck down 22,000 men of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Aram of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were carried by the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Beta and from Barothai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took very much bronze. When Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadadezer, Toy sent his son Joram to King David to ask about his health and to bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had often been at war with Toy. And Joram brought with him articles of silver, of gold, and of bronze. These also King David dedicated to the Lord together with the silver and gold that he dedicated from all the nations he subdued, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadad-Ezer, the son of Rechab, king of Zobah. And David made a name for himself when he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Then he put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons. And all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel. And David administered justice and equity to all his people. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud was recorder, and Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests, and Sariah was secretary, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Kirathites and the Pelathites, and David's sons were priests. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word and we pray that by the power of your spirit that you would come and speak to us that we would hear the voice of Jesus Christ in our hearts and know him and follow him 
in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Good King David. Early in the year 1547, a new king was coronated in Westminster Abbey. The reformed Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, charged the new king with these words, quote, as a messenger from my Savior Jesus Christ, I shall most humbly admonish your royal majesty what things your highness is to perform. Your majesty is to see God truly worshiped and idolatry destroyed. You are to reward virtue, to revenge sin, to justify the innocent, to relieve the poor, to procure peace, to repress violence, and to execute justice throughout all your realms. The archbishop closed his charge with the words, God save the king. On the day of his coronation, February the 20th, 1547, King Edward VI was nine years old. The boy king was heavily influenced by the Reformed Protestants and the general sentiment of the Reformed Christians, and remember the R in ARP is Reformed, their general sentiment of the Reformed was summed up by the Scottish reformer and father of Presbyterianism, John Knox, who said Edward VI was the most godly king of England. Six and a half years later, the boy king was dead at only 15 years of age and thus began a dark and deadly season to be a reformed Protestant Christian. In England. But for a few too short years, England had a godly king, just a boy, but a godly boy. He largely, despite his youth, lived up to the charge the archbishop had laid on him to see God truly worship and idolatry destroyed to reward virtue, to revenge sin, to justify the innocent, to relieve the poor, to procure peace, to repress violence, and to execute justice throughout all your realms. The same words could generally be said of the reign of King David. And now remember in the previous passage, we saw last week the Lord had made his covenant with David to build him a house and establish his throne forever. And here in this passage, we see the Lord working out his covenant in the reign of King David. And the message of 2 Samuel 8, the passage before us, is that good King David is a fulfillment of God's promise 
who reflects good King Jesus, the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to David. So now let's look together at good King David so we might see good King Jesus. First in this passage, we see David the conqueror. David the conqueror, look at verse one. After this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Metheg Amma out of the hand of the Philistines. If from the time the Israelites had settled the promised land and were ruled by the judges, the Philistines were a thorn in their side. But you remember God had promised David he would give them rest from their enemies. And so David finally subdues the Philistines. They're not eradicated completely, but defanged, so to speak. And we read he defeated the Moabites too. Look at verse two, and he defeated Moab and he measured them with a line, making them lie down on the ground. Two lines he measured to be put to death and one full line to be spared. And the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. And as we read on, we see that David also defeated Hadad-Ezer, the son of Rechab, king of Zobah. And then when the Syrians came to the aid of Hadad-Ezer, David defeated them too. Look at verse six. Then David put garrisons in Aram of Damascus and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. And notice that it is the Lord who gives David all these victories. And David readily gives glory to God. Look at verse 11. These also King David dedicated to the Lord together with the silver and the gold that he dedicated from all the nations he subdued. From Edom, Moab, Ammonites, Philistines, Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadad-Ezer, son of Rechab, king of Zobah. Now, in dedicating the spoils of his conquest to the Lord, so every time David defeats an enemy, he, he dedicates the spoils of war to the Lord. And what he's doing is setting them aside for whenever the temple will be built. And remember, David wanted to build a temple for the Lord, but the Lord has said, no, you will not build me a house, but I will build you a house, but one day a temple will be built and though David will not be the one to build it, he still does what he can to help. He sets aside gold and silver and bronze captured in battle because one day they'll need it to build a temple. Here in David's conquest, we see a shadow, a preview of the ultimate king and the ultimate fulfillment of the promise to David. Our shorter catechism teaches us that Christ executeth the office of a king. This is how Jesus is a king. In subduing us to himself 
in ruling and defending us and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. Jesus restrains and conquers all his and our enemies. Now hold your place in 2 Samuel for a moment and turn, if you would, please, to uh, Revelation 19. Revelation chapter 19. Easy to find, last book of the Bible. Revelation 19, let's look at verse 11. Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now this is what's gonna happen when the Lord Jesus comes back. He will judge and make war. He will strike down the nations, including this one, and rule them with a rod of iron. And he will throw his enemies down and tread them like grapes in a wine press, drawing their blood like red wine. Again, Dr. Uh, Ralph Davis says, both the Old and New Testaments testify that on the whole, men and nations do not long to receive, but live to resist Christ's reign. And that he will establish his rule at the last, not by popular demand, but by armed might. Surely the cross has taught us that no one defeats the dominion of darkness in a bloodless coup, nor will history simply ooze into the kingdom of God. That kingdom will come at last because Christ, David's seed, imposes it over all objection and opposition and conquers all his and our enemies. History will not simply ooze into the kingdom of God. The world does not long to receive but lives to resist Jesus Christ. And when he comes, he will judge and make war and tread the winepress of the wrath of God.
the good king conquers his enemies. We see David the conqueror. Second in this passage, we see David the governor. Look at verse 15. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all his people. Joab, the son of Zeruah, was over the army, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilad, was recorder, and Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests, and Sarai was secretary. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Kirathites, the Pelethites, and David's sons were priests. And now in modern terms, we could say that not only was David successful in foreign policy, he also carried out an excellent domestic policy. He administered justice and equity to all his people. Now we could read a lot of current baggage back into that, but that would be sloppy Bible interpretation. It simply means that David treated people fairly. Justice was not for sale in David's administration. David was a fair man. Under his reign, no one needed to worry that if they did not have enough money or the right connections, they were out of luck. Matthew Henry said all his people, even the poorest and those of the poorest tribes were welcome to his council board. He never perverted justice through favor or affection, nor had respect of person in judgment. He was a type of Christ who was faithful and true and who doth in righteousness both judge and make war. So we see David the conqueror, we see David the governor, and thirdly, and finally in this passage, we see Toy the wise. That's T-O-I, Toy, Toy the wise. Look at verse nine. When Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadad-Ezer, Toy sent his son Joram to King David to ask about his health and to bless him because he had fought against Hadad-Ezer and defeated him. For Hadad-Ezer had often been at war with Toy. And Joram brought with him articles of silver and gold and bronze. Now while David was conquering his enemies, this king by the name of Toy, king of Hamath, showed great wisdom. Toy had long been in conflict with Hadad-Ezer, king of Zobah, which would indicate that Toy's army and resources was a fair match, roughly equivalent to Hadad-Ezer. Well, David had defeated Hey, that easier. And Toy reckoned, well, I've been at war with him for years, but David 
has soundly defeated him in one battle. David could probably take me pretty handily as well. And David had, in fact, just beaten his enemy, so look on the bright side. The smart move would be to make peace with David. So he does. King Toy sends his son to bless David and bring him gifts of silver, gold, and bronze. The very things that David was plundering from the other nations, Toy sent willingly. Now maybe you've been listening to this message and thinking, well, that's all very well about King David. And I even see how King David is going to Jesus. But, but what's that got to do with me? What am I supposed to do with this? Listen to what Jesus says in the 14th chapter of Luke. Jesus says, what king... Going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's a king. And for now, he's a long way off. But he's coming. And when he comes, he will judge and make war. He will strike down the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. And he will throw his enemies into the wine press and trample them. Jesus says, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. You have time to make peace with the king while he's still a long way off. His terms of peace are absolute surrender. On August 14th, 1945, after the U.S. Army Air Force had dropped atomic bombs on 
Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Emperor Hirohito addressed the Japanese people. He said, should we continue to fight, it would result in an ultimate collapse and obliteration of the Japanese nation. So they accepted the terms of unconditional surrender. If you continue to fight and resist the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, it will result in your ultimate collapse and obliteration. Learn a lesson from old King Toy of Hamath. Make peace with the king. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.